0: Did.
1: This is uh, a podcast by me, Ryan Whedon.
0: <laughs> and me, Matt Fisher. And uh, this week we have an ambassador from the Starboys podcast, Trevor Voss.
2: Thank you for having me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good Thank to you, have you for
0: everybody. coming. Uh, Trevor, why don't you start out by uh, telling us what your podcast is all about? So.
2: Our podcast is called Star Boys. I'm only one Star Boys here today. Uh, it's a podcast about all things sci-fi, especially those beginning with Star. So, Star Trek, Star Wars, and anything else we wish to talk about.
0: Um, Trevor used to live with uh, a friend of mine, the glorious man-child, uh, Jason Frisk. <laughs> yeah, those um, were dark days. <laughs> <laughs> uh but, and then we just kind of, I've just known him in a periphery sense mostly, because yeah, you work at Pacific Place, so I you know, almost any time I go there I see you, yeah. so um, I monitor
2: your viewing habits <laughs> you got a log whenever <laughs> Matt comes in, just, ooh, they're... bad choice this time
0: <laughs> well, I remember you were the one that spotted that I was at the same showing of social network as Bill Gates oh yes yeah. oh, I mean, nice. I didn't see Bill Gates, but I saw your Facebook post that
2: he had a brief cameo in that movie, if I recall correctly. I don't know if
0: it was him, but I it was someone think, playing him at the very least. Yeah, it was
2: a stand-in, I believe. But I did overhear some other customers on their way out saying, "Oh my God, I was just watching. I was watching the scene with Bill Gates, and Bill Gates was sitting in front of me."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading. I think it was like an I saw you in the stranger. Maybe it was part of the last days where Bill Gates was uh, seeing a movie at the Crest. Oh my. And uh, the person who saw him was saw him in the bathroom, and he said that you know did his business at the urinal and then like went back to the movie. Uh, and he goes, he did not wash his hands. Oh. He goes, but if I was Bill Gates, I probably wouldn't wash my hands at the Crest either. My genitals are probably cleaner than the <laughs> <laughs> sinks any day. <laughs> I wonder why he's seeing movies at the Crest. If I just want to see a movie, it was the only place that it was playing. He yeah, was
1: like, he got he got a little uh, late. <laughs> yeah, going out to see. He's like, oh, I really want to see that. It's only at the crest now. Not too many crowds. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> then he just walks out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, um,
0: I'm super excited to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, I am too. I have a lot of broad generalizations that I want to say about <laughs> the movie.
2: I was uh, very excited to finally be a, a guest on another podcast and not have to talk about Star Trek. All, so <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're sort of bringing your mentality to us.
2: Yeah, right? sure. <laughs> our 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 usual podcast looks at a Star Trek episode or movie and kind of looks at how it could inspire the new series that's coming out this fall. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, that's kind of how I look at anything I watch these days. But <laughs> Try not to go too in-depth into that.
0: Mm, this doggy chow commercial. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know too much about the new series. I mean, I watched the trailer, but, like, is it this, is this supposed to take place before uh, the original series? Yeah, okay. about
2: ten years before, I believe. Okay. Oh, really? I, yeah. I don't know,
0: like, anything about it.
2: And well, it looks like it has a lot of Klingons in it. Oh, okay. But they look kind of weird. They look kind of like General Chang in this movie. Yeah. Okay.
0: So. They Yeah, well... I find that Klingons never really look the same depending on like which thing you're watching. Yeah. Like, they've evolved. In like the, the original series they were, they were just black people, I think. Okay. <laughs> <They're>, yeah. <laughs> they,
2: there was they had no ridges, they had no hair, they were
0: Yeah, um, I, I was going to say the, the original series Klingons do not look like Worf. Right. Like yeah. Worf, I mean to me Worf is like the quintessential Klingon look. Agreed, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh and everything else is a variation of him.
1: But, Maybe they're just fast evolvers. Maybe their uh, their physical appearance, like through generations, just goes yeah. just goes quicker.
2: There is a canon explanation for it, but I won't burden you. With that. <laughs> no, it's, burden it's, it's, I was going to say I feel like that's what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a retcon where they, they were like, oh well, for these Trekkies, we better explain what actually happened. Like they didn't used to have ridges. Now they have ridges. Apparently, there was some sort of genetic mutation, and it's uh, an embarrassment. <laughs> to this oh to, to them so they don't talk about it very much seeing
0: <laughs> so wait is this like a fan theory or was this actually mean it was something?
2: actually mentioned in a deep space 9 episode oh,
0: so, at okay. was
1: time travel
0: oh okay
1: star trek is is kind of important to me because it was uh so in 6th grade this is going to come around i promise I there was like a trip that we had to take. It was a camping trip, and I was really nervous because you had to find like bunk mates, and oh. I didn't have any friends that were guys. That's All my friends start. growing up were girls. <laughs> and then uh, just before we had to pick like your bunk mates for this thing, I made friends with a kid who was super into Star Trek mm. and Greg Golden, and uh, it was just like, I don't know. I think he started talking to me about Star Trek, and was like, "Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more," and we just became. <laughs> Uh, we became friends. We actually saw the movie that we're going to talk about today together oh. in theaters. Oh, oh wow. So, okay. yeah. Uh, That's how old I am. I was going to say, what year did this movie come out? 91. Wow. I guess I could have seen it in theaters. <laughs> yeah. It's physically possible for yeah. me. To, but I, I definitely
0: know that I was seeing movies in theaters at this point. But. Yeah. Awesome. It was one of those
1: things, well, I mean, and this also is telling of the time period, but it was one that our parents dropped us off at the theater at the mall and said, bye couple eleven year
0: olds. Good luck. <laughs> we'll meet you when it's over. I definitely remember seeing movies in theaters without parental supervision in like fourth grade and stuff like that. Yeah. Which seems crazy to me. <laughs> no. No
1: cell phones or anything.
0: It's like we don't leave children home alone like under the age <laughs> of like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. But for some reason we'll gladly leave them in like a strip mall in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. This happened to me
1: twice when The Little Mermaid came out. My parents dropped me off with a friend and said, Bye, we'll pick you up in an hour and a half, and the movie turned out to be sold out. And so we were just like, you know, nine, ten year olds wandering around together for an hour and a half.
0: They were just not giving kids the credit they deserve.
1: Yeah. It turned out okay. Or movie theater's
2: the credit they deserve. They can yeah. parent your kids. Yeah. <laughs> fine. They're just glorified <laughs> babysitters.
0: And you've alluded to it on the podcast, but I wanna I wanna give like just an answer. So, we started our podcast around the same time. For a while there, there was a time where you had the exact same number of episodes released at, like, any given time yeah. as we did. And, you know, not that it's a competition, but we're winning now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know that, like, when before everything was released, I was going around, like, getting the Facebook page, getting a Twitter account, getting a Gmail account. And I was getting likes on Facebook uh, before anything... I'd done any posts or anything like that yeah. so I kind of realized that people must just be searching for X-rated movies like actual adult films and just typing in EX or they're something. just bots yeah, they're just bots too <laughs> but I was thinking and you've alluded to this how many people go to your podcast thinking that it has something to do with the musical act weekend
2: you know I would guess out of the
0: like 300 likes we have it's gotta be like
2: 250 <laughs> I think I think we're the weekend. <laughs> Anytime somebody posts on our page or sends us a message, it's like them posing with pictures of the weekend. <laughs> Oops!
0: Today is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which I believe to be the most underappreciated of the original series' movies. It's definitely off forgotten, even by me. The rep about the original Star Trek movies is that the even ones are the good ones and the odd ones suck, and when I watched all these a couple years ago, I was determined to be a contrarian <laughs> and find good things about one, three, and five, and boy, I couldn't. I was like... <laughs> I mean, there, you could really get, like, nitpicky and say that, you know, you couldn't have Star Trek 4 without 3 or something like that. Like, sure. 2, right. 3, and 4, like, the are kind sort of a trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one has some interesting ideas, it's just it's done so clinically. <laughs> it's a,
2: Star Trek: The Motion Picture is probably the strangest one. It, it, feel, it doesn't feel like Star Trek. Really. Yeah. It feels like it's trying to be 2001 or, or yeah, something
1: else. yeah. I think I read a criticism of the when the reboot came out that um, they weren't doing enough like exploration. It was all action oriented, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, maybe. But Star Trek: The Motion Picture is nothing but exploration, and it's yeah. boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: like, there's a lot of things on paper that I like about the first one. Like, I, like, because it's, they're looking for Vigar. Vigar. It's the Voyager spacecraft, but it, like, I don't know what it did, but it, like, somehow became super intelligent. And, like, mm-hmm. I like that on paper. Like, that's an interesting concept. But it, it was just all in execution. Like, it was so boring. I just remember right near the beginning, it's, like, Kirk is, like, in a little shuttlecraft going towards the Enterprise. And I just remember that it's like, they keep doing these, like, shot, reverse shots of, like, Kirk looking at the Enterprise and admiring it, and then like cutting to showing the Enterprise as they're closing in on it, and they kept doing that. I was like, "When is this gonna stop?" They, they really
2: want to show off those effects, man. yeah. They're good. I was like, "This is this we get like it." Five minute scene of
0: just Kirk admiring the Enterprise. So
2: I've been to two different Q and A's now uh, with Douglas Trumbull, who did Star Trek: The Motion Picture, okay, as well as two thousand one and oh. other...
0: That's the guy that directed Brainstorm. Oh right, yes. okay, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And he at one of those events mentioned how
1: proud he was of the opening <laughs> <laughs>
2: <special> motion <chemistry laughs> picture. So I think we have our answer.
1: <laughs> I also don't like the uniforms in the motion picture. Those like onesies with the what what is that? Like a camera on your on your belly button? I don't, I don't know, know what those are. They were getting into some trouble, you know. Uh
0: uh. Beaten up some aliens, they had to start wearing the body camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I feel t- 2, 4, and 6 are all good. And I, I have a tough time choosing a favorite, because, like, they all have their different strengths. Yeah. But I feel that the 6th one is probably the most Star Trek, like, using hand quotes, because you have your action-adventure in it, mm-hmm. you have your intergalactic political intrigue in it, um... And then there's just sort of like ruminations on like human nature and things like that with like their fear of becoming obsolete or that, you know, this generation is the final generation, you know, sure. of adventures or of Starfleet Command and things like that. Uh, so it just it has the things that I think that Star Trek is known for the most and put it into one movie. Yeah, I could see that.
1: I was trying to question whether or not you could enjoy this movie and not be a hardcore Star Trek nerd. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe you could. Like, I, I don't think, so. think you need too much background about Star Trek to just like enjoy this movie. Yeah, oh, much of the storyline is, I don't want to
2: say generic, but kind of a typical political thriller. Mm-hmm. That yeah. You might see in a, in a non-sci-fi setting.
0: Yeah, it uh, it has, like, the parallels to, like, the fall of the Soviet Union, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not sort of. <laughs> sort of, sort of. <laughs> and, I mean, that was always another thing that Star Trek was about, was, like, commentary on, you know, the social status of the day and yeah. uh, things like that. So, I don't know, to me, it's just, it, it it's the best things about Star Trek in one movie. In one bite-sized chunk. Yeah. In one hour fifty-minute <laughs> romp. Uh, yeah, so I, I was really happy that we watched this one, just because it's sort of forgotten even amongst Star Trek fans. Yeah. Uh, which is too bad, because it, it's it's a good signing off. Like even like the end credits with like the main cast members, like having like the signatures. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're like literally signing off. Yeah.
1: I feel like that's a, a moment for you know people to pull out their signed gear and make sure it's like not a, <laughs> not a fake there <laughs> like yeah
0: so the premise of the film is a uh mining colony moon something praxis praxis klingon moon klingon moon blew up big time yeah uh, i mean many many two-thirds of the planet is gone Well, sulu ship the excelsior like, get some of the uh, explosion shaking them, and it's not like they were right next to the planet. They were a good distance away.
1: Yeah. The, they zoom in on the planet, I guess, um, and it's uh, they show what was there, or what's left of it there, and there's just, like, a third of a planet with, like, chunks flying off of it. Yeah. And... I was just thinking, what's it like to be on that planet at that yeah. moment? Like,
0: <laughs> you're probably dead.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> we do. We, do we see a, a little, a few seconds of video. Yeah, they're there
3: screaming <laughs> and on fire.
1: <laughs> How long does do you have on that planet after that? I mean, like,
0: yeah, I can't imagine that like any sort of like ozone layer was like holding yeah. the oxygen in. Yeah, jeez. It made me wonder how Sulu would be as a captain. Not that he doesn't have commanding chops, but you know, he was he was putting his feet up and drinking his tea before (laughs) they were out of danger. This this movie also does a good job of like showing the whole crew. Sometimes the movies focus on like just Spock and Kirk.
2: Yeah,
1: well, and it's nice that we get a little bit of the getting the gang back together. Yeah. Uh huh. I like that they, when they do get all back together, it's for that meeting, and they're all like, oh, I just want to retire. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek Twelve, so
0: very tired. I want to be the first one to say it, and so we're not even on the topic yet, but who <laughs> laughed at the, war, the phrase penal asteroid? You'll be taken
3: from this place to the dilithium mines on the penal asteroid of Rurapente.
0: Oh, I'm laughing now. I, the first I cracked up when they said that.
1: <laughs> Do you think there was a writer who was snickering as they were as they were typing it out? Like, <laughs> this is gonna be great. I'm gonna make them say this. <laughs> it's also funny because everyone has to look very really serious when they say it. They're like, "There's a lot of outtakes
0: for that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm, oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I, guess. <laughs> I just want to make sure I was the first one to say it. Right. <laughs> So, so, yeah, they have a meeting, they're
1: going to host um, uh, a, an ambassador, a chancellor in yeah. Klingon, Chancellor Gorkhan, who's, like, Christopher Plummer.
0: Oh, he, Christopher right? Plummer is Chang. Chang. Oh. Who am I, who's the, I'm That's sorry. John Warner, Oh, who's, like, a character actor and he's been in a billion different things. But he was also a Klingon. He played, like, two separate Klingons in TNG. There's a lot of crossover with
2: actors between series and movies. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they give them a little test drive, and then... Because Odo from Deep Space Nine has a small role in this. Who's he in this? I think he's the, the assassin at the end. Really? Mike oh, really? What?
1: Michel Aubourginois? I don't <laughs> his name. Mr. Eggplant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And also Michael Dorn's in this.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I used to think that he was playing uh, Worf. Worf, Grandpa Worf. Yeah. Is that what he is? I think so.
1: I think he's some relative of Worf's. Okay,
0: because they don't ever say his name, I don't think.
1: Mm -mm. But he'd have to be because there's a, like, TNG was on the air at that time. And so anybody's watching that and then goes and sees this movie, it's like season four of Next Generation is like... That's war. Like they have that has to be a conscious decision. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think Michael Dorn is like auditioning for this role.
0: It's
1: just sitting in the in the in the hallway, nervous, like saying the lines over and over.
0: He's come straight from the TNG show, so he still has. He's he's like, like, I've got got the (laughs) edge (laughs) locked. So I guess we should ask. You said that you were uh, you see these things through the lens of like, how will this influence discovery?
2: Well, if you've seen the trailer for Discovery, the Klingons look very different from any other representation. They continue to evolve, (laughs) even though this takes place before the original series. But they look even more animalistic. They have more defined ridges, maybe, than in the other series. No hair. Uh, They look less human than ever before. Which... I don't know if it's a conscious de- decision to make them more of an enemy. Uh, we know eventually that Federation and Klingon Empire will get along. Mm-hmm. But this is pre-original series. The original series,
1: there's a lot of animosity. So yeah. yeah,
0: they're like the big villains from the original series. Right.
1: I think it's interesting that they're going backwards, because it's like... You know, Star Trek should be, uh, to me, should always be sort of a forward-looking mm. thing, and then to right. keep coming back to these origins and like and trying to uh, tell the story that way, it just seems like backwards, you know. I agree to to some extent. Um, on our podcast, we've talked quite a bit about
2: how we could see it, it being a good thing if they're kind of showing that moment where humanity takes a leap forward mm-hmm. and, and kind of puts some of the their violent paths behind them. Sure. So this is like a moment of transition that we're really getting to see. Hmm. Since a lot of Star Trek, we've already reached this yeah. utopian society. Good point.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Especially uh, in this day and age. Hopefully uh, they can make the parallels a little less obvious than in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Where <laughs> space Chernobyl melts down. And, then, <laughs> and the... I don't know. The, the Klingon wall has to come down. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chang, <laughs> please That's tear so down your space wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so William Shatner gets a lot of flack, and most of it rightfully so. The man, he has screen presence. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He really knows how to play this role. Even like the smarmy, more subtle moments, he just hits it right out of the park for mm-hmm. me. You know, just I- when he's like making out with uh, Iman. Yeah. I'm just like he is loving it. <laughs> it's just, and it's just coming across that way too.
1: I really like the scene when he when they first take the Enterprise out of uh, space dock, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets corrected by Kim Cattrall and is like, "Uh, or Valeris is that her name? Yeah, yeah." By Valeris, that um, oh, we're not allowed to use the boosters in here, and everyone's like, <clears throat> Jim. He just kind of smiles and he's like, "You heard the order, Lieutenant."
0: So, you know, watching this is Shatner, and he's got his screen presence, and at this point, like, everyone has their rhythm and their beats, so it's like, like, the ensemble is tight in yeah. this one. Mm-hmm.
1: And they all feel like they're having fun. Yeah. You yeah. know? I, I really like the scene, like, when, when they're coming into to Klingon space, and they're pretending to be a Klingon freighter, and everyone's, like, struggling to figure out how to respond in Klingon, and... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just, like... Ohura's just, uh, just struggling to get the words out, and it's just garbled, Klingon. Oh, I'm
3: going to die. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Vickich. Vickich. Grand.
2: I'm surprised she can't speak Klingon by now. She's, she's been the communications uh, officer for decades. True. <laughs> is
0: that what her role is?
1: I mean, she's got the universal translator, right? So she's just... Uh, oh, she's, she's over-reliant like, uh, on her uh, yeah. crush. Yeah. <laughs> they probably introduce... They're like, you know, she's 50-something. They're like, oh, by the way, we're going to be talking with Klingons a lot. You're going to have to learn it. she's like,
0: oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh.
0: So who can see Kurtwood Smith without seeing... Red from that 70s show. <laughs> Wait, I, who's he in this? Once I looked it up, he's I like the put... the uh, Fu Manchu. Like, oh, oh my Federation gosh! <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> wow! Like, I, I forget that he used to have like uh you know somewhat stable careers, like a character actor. Yeah, like, he's one of the villains in the original cop. Right. And, um, you know he's in this, and then but like whenever I see him, he's just red from that 70s show. Oh my gosh. I, I just got caught
2: up on what species he was supposed to be. Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand the look they gave him. He looked like an albino Klingon.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> made it really confusing with all the other Klingons. I thought he on. was a Klingon, but then I was like, why is he the president of the Federation? There, yeah, that's
0: what I thought too.
1: Which is crazy because you know in that final scene at the at the Kittimer the main candidate candidates. Yeah, <laughs> <him>. <laughs> there's like. Clearly, several different types of aliens, you know, out there. We get, like, one cutaway of those, like, seaweed, gray seaweed-looking ones clapping, but, like, <laughs> there's a sea of different types of aliens out there, and it's like, why didn't they give him one of those looks? Why'd they pick the one that looked just like <laughs> a
0: Klingon? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, bad choice there. So there's the the dinner scene that I remember really vividly from the first time I watched it, because it got so awkward so quickly. yeah.
2: I guess they're supposed to be drunk, but we don't really see a, prog- a progression towards that. Yeah,
0: you see them pouring the Romulan ale, which just looks like watered-down Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Blue Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, it's like, after the dinner scene ends, like everyone's going to like nurse their hangover. Or yeah. Their...
1: yeah, yeah, uh, the hangover's like immediate, apparently, yeah. <laughs> with Romulan ale.
2: Uh, well, they probably don't drink a lot, right? At this point, they drink synthahol. No, that's oh,
1: that's yeah. true. drunk. Yeah.
0: yeah you think Klingons actually read Shakespeare?
1: Ugh. <laughs> In Klingon? Yeah. Do you think someone's translated Shakespeare into Klingon yet? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. I found the the
0: Shakespeare quoting kind of exhausting after a while. <laughs> it wasn't that... Yeah. I remember it being a lot longer than it actually was. Like, when I watched it now, I'm like, oh, the dinner scene didn't last, like... I thought it was, like, a 20-minute scene when I first watched it, but... <laughs>
2: Well, I, I, in my limited amount of research on Wikipedia, uh, I found that the writers thought, or maybe it was the director Meyer Nicholas Meyer, thought they had too much quoting of Shakespeare in the screenplay. But then once they
1: cast Christopher Plummer, they're like, No, no, oh. he can pull it off. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So you, you would say that you were kind of like McCoy when he says, "I'd give real money if he'd shut up." <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: So who here would actually go to see any Shakespeare production with William Shatner in it? Oh, that'd be awesome. Wow. (laughs) I'm there. Boy, I don't know. Even my tolerance has limits. (laughs) You know, his rocket man is Shakespeare enough for me.
3: She
1: packed my bags last night, pre-flight. I wanted to... uh, Zero off. mention the trial, when they're at the trial. Mm -hmm. Did you, did anybody else just love it that McCoy's uh, joke about his arthritis got a laugh? The prosecutor's like, uh, Dr. McCoy,
3: would you be so good as to tell me what is your current medical status? Aside from a touch of arthritis, I'd say pretty good. And there's like Ah. one thing on that's
1: like, ah! It's like it's, it's echoing. So It's yeah. <laughs> so good. Then so, yeah, then there's just the shot of uh, McCoy, kind of like yeah, alright <laughs> <laughs> This guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> the judge is like he's still got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the judge's gavel. Like, yeah, that, like metallic ball that he slams, and has yeah. got that metallic claw that he holds it with. I was like, that's what U.S. judges should do.
1: <laughs> Justice is swift on. In the Klingon, Klingon world. I
0: gotta say, Grandpa Wharf is not a, uh, <laughs> not a real good public defender. He, I felt like he left a little to be desired in his, uh, you know, representation of his clients. You know, things are stacked against him.
1: Yeah. He got their sentences, to, uh, commuted from death to, uh, life on Ruripente, so. <laughs> the penal asteroid? The penal asteroid. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs>
0: So, I mean, that's something. What a cool idea. Like, if I were writing sci-fi, it'd be full of penal asteroids. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) hurt away. Because it's, A, you know, I'm not a science guy. I don't know how you could really inhabit an asteroid. I feel like they're hurtling through space in, you know. And it has an atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Because they're walking around on its surface. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: So yeah, it has oxygen on it, at the very least.
1: It's
0: a class M asteroid. (laughs) Uh,
1: I was wondering why they have people mining dilithium. Shouldn't they have robots to do that by now? They have these prisoners. Might as well
0: put (laughs) it to work. I guess. So, I like the scheme that, that gets cooked up. Like the sort of, you know, look of betrayal. Like, Killing the Klingons the right. to keep the war going. It's a mm-hmm.
1: believable Steam. Well, it reminded
0: me a lot of, like, the truther, like... Yeah, oh. I was like, it's <laughs> just
2: like Newtown or 9-11. Yeah. Or another false flag up. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: And they do a really good job of foreshadowing to it. Right. Because they have Valeris talking with Leonard Nimoy about how she's worried that this is, like, a turn in the flow of history or whatever, mm-hmm.
1: and... Their their relationship was maybe my favorite thing about this movie. This time, watching it through, like, because it starts with that scene basically, and being like, "I'm glad we see eye to eye," and then you find out that clearly they don't, and then you know Spock has to basically mind rape her to get the (laughs) info out of her. Is mind
0: melding? Is it? Is it?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's usually uh, like consensual, but this was not consensual. (laughs) mind reading (laughs) that scene is so intense where is the peace conference where is the peace conference Uh, No. It's weird to see Spock do that, you know, because this is a character that you've loved for you know maybe twenty five years at this point, and then to see him like forcibly taking thoughts out of this woman's head—it's
0: like cold, logical side coming out.
1: Oof. Like, there's, there's real moral choices here. Like, that is not a decision that I would want to live with either way. Yeah. Because it's like, if he doesn't do it, then there could be war for another 50 years and millions of people will die. But, like, he has to do this violation on her in order to stop that from happening, you know? And it's like, I wouldn't want that on my conscience either way. Yeah. And it really makes him into... a well-defined character. Which, which is the
0: lesser of his evil actions that he has to yeah, do. Yeah, and he has to live with that either way. Yeah, like, That's hard. And, and this it, is a character we love. And it's also, like, the conspiracy to keep the war going isn't one-sided either. Like, there's members of the Federation and there's, like, people on the Klingon side and yeah, the audience every race side as well. Yeah, involved in it. Yeah. Uh, like, this is something that, yeah, it's not a one-sided thing. Like, there are bad people on both sides of this issue yeah but as this was going because i didn't remember quite how it played out uh good I, the, there's good like misdirects like you know when the missiles get fired and like no one ordered them visual inspection of the missiles show that all the missiles were there mm-hmm. but the dialogue say the two were fired i was like oh this is that's a good sort of mystery that they've that they've got going there uh but then, like, instead of raising the shields when the Klingons are coming back, they just immediately surrender. And I was like, that's a good, like, leaning in. Like, there's, like, a theory in communications when you're arguing with someone. If you want it to end, you just agree with them. Mm-hmm. I feel like he did that, but, like, on a warfare level. You just immediate surrender, like, immediately, like, board the ship, no weapons. And, like, it was sort of hard to keep the conflict going after that, you know. Yeah.
1: But that's the equivalent of like punching someone in the back of the head, and then when they turn around to punch you back, be like, I give up. <laughs> you know? It almost
2: seemed out of character for Kirk. You'd think he'd be looking for an opportunity to fight. But the opportunity is clearly there. Yeah. And he turns it down.
0: But I like what he said too.
2: He's
1: like, We will not be the instigators of full scale war on the eve of universal peace. It was certainly the right decision. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: definitely the right decision. And I know that, you know, it's just screenwriting and, you know, it was written to be this way, but like, it really came across like just a well thought out plan that he immediately came up with and that it was the right decision. Like even Spock is sort of surprised by like once it's out there, Spock is on board with it and understands like what's going on, but that wasn't even Spock's first instinct to do that.
1: Yeah. And uh, the special effects when that Klingon ship gets shot is pretty cool, I think.
0: Yeah, actually. Like, of the it special looks pretty effects... good.
1: You're not
2: talking about the Pepto-Bismol scenes, are you? <laughs> when they start bleeding. You need that. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. That's not no. Uh, okay. When the when More the, like the, the ship gets Pepto-Bismol, if you get my. <laughs> oh, God. No, when the Klingon ship gets shot, like, and we see it on the view screen, like that looked cool. Yeah, definitely. This was the.
2: This was at a time where we were right at the transition between oh, largely practical yeah. effects and CGI, and we get a little of both in this one. Yeah. The models look great. Yeah. yeah. Space stuff's great. The it, blood, not, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell they were really proud of it. Yeah. They, they didn't hide those things. Oh, like, no. They, they were like right like, at the front. It's of like
0: this. in a 3D movie where like something's like being thrown directly <laughs> at you. This was like large pink blobs floating in front of the screen. Yeah. Because I mean, they, they really didn't have to make that scene zero gravity. Well, I guess they kind of did, but for the magnetic boots, but they could have done something. Other than magnetic boots. But I yeah. Feel like they just... Well, burned. and
1: we never see blood from phasers. Like, it usually just burns people. Yeah, yeah. or disintegrates them. Yeah. yeah. I guess they needed, like, the armless dude to testify and stuff, but, like, I don't know. Uh, it was strange. Apparently this movie was on the edge of an R rating because of it. Oh, they, really? They were afraid
2: it would have gotten an R rating
0: if they made the blood red instead of pink. Oh. oh interesting. Interesting. That's the event that triggers the trial. Right. And everything. And... They get sent to Penal Ashford, Pente. and I—I I, I don't know. For some reason, I like the idea of this penal jail. I think it's—it's it's a good sort of Star Trekian trope. Right. There are guards at this prison, but even if the prisoners escape,
1: they're going to die on the surface. Yeah. Because uh, it's cold there. It's cold. And Siberian, you might say. Yeah.
0: Yes, I guess it's sort of a gulag sort of situation. They explicitly call it a gulag. I was going to say, I think they call it a gulag at one point. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if this has always been sort of the Klingon MO, but like, this prison's sort of equal opportunity, because like, there's men and women in this prison colony,
3: yeah.
0: and they're not really sequestered from one another or segregated in any way. They're all just sort of mishmashed together. Um, I personally think Iman should have kept acting. I think yeah. she's great in this. Yeah. Uh, agreed.
1: Did David Bowie go to the premiere of this movie? <laughs> yeah, probably. What did he wear? <laughs> well do you think she's the one in that costume when she's the like hairy monster in the book in the Sasquatch looking alien? I was picturing it was her in the costume.
0: <laughs> now I'm on yeah. your model so you're used to a lot of makeup. <laughs> this might be outside your comfort zone. So it you know, when it turns out that she's a shapeshifter. Yeah they Cameloid, I think Cam- is what it was. <laughs> <Cameloid>. <laughs> I'm a cameloid. Cameloid makes it sound like a camel. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wasn't a camel. Water, like, <laughs> <no other species.
1: laughs> yeah. uh, she when she says what she is, she points to her back and she's like, <laughs> camel. <laughs>
0: Two humps. <laughs> um, how did like those Klingon guards know which Shatner was the real Shatner?
1: Yeah, I wrote that down too.
0: Like I thought I just like blinked and missed yeah. something, but it no, was, it
2: was
1: effective dramatically because I, would, for a second, I was like, "What?
0: Did I throw wrong?" <laughs> <one>? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, because I think it's just random i think he just eventually shoots one and it's like oh that could have been oh, okay. Kirk. kirk so like he was gonna shoot both of them anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true
0: because yeah all like shatner does he goes Stop me you idiot him and then they shoot them like there was no convincing yeah it there. happens really fast so i thought that there was something that gave it away that i just missed but yeah. i don't think so <laughs> just lucky yeah
1: and then he does the thing which is kind of tropey and funny but he's all since you're going to die anyway, I will tell you the plan. Oh. And that's like... I mean, they kind of undercut it by then beaming them out. And yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. why didn't you wait a few seconds? But it was just like, oh, no, are they really... Is he really saying these lines?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The present colony I thought was good. It, you know, it, it, and it makes a good, like, uh, sort of talking point, too. Like, if you're trying to get someone to go see your Star Trek movie, if you say that Bones and uh, Kirk are trapped in a Klingon prison. Like, that's a good selling point if you're a Star Trek fan, I feel. Like, totally. That sounds like some solid fan service.
1: And I didn't watch the trailer for this, but just, like, Kirk fighting with Kirk is a lot of fun, <laughs> Yeah. basically. I just,
2: wonder if that's happened before, like, the original series.
1: Like, a shapeshifter uh, <laughs> <laughs> turned into Kirk?
2: Yeah. You gotta so think
0: it
1: has. Yeah. Do
0: you think these people would actually get along, like, in real life, that... This crew would be a well-oiled machine, like they portray it, or
1: the characters. Yeah. Mm.
0: Like, do you think Spock really would sort of acquiesce to Kirk's more wild streaks? I mean, I know that in a lot of the stuff, he tempers it. I mean, that's where a lot of the drama comes from, right? Is the conflict between mm-hmm.
2: between them, those two characters, especially.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I I guess it probably does get kind of artificially uh, solved due to the constraints of each
1: episode of the movie. Right? Yeah.
2: Like, the idea is that their two viewpoints will kind of, although very different, come together to help solve the problem.
1: And they kind of talk about this in this movie. Like, there's the moment when he's, when Spock's being reflective and kind of pouty about how he, he fucked up. And, uh, you know, Kirk comes in and says, you know... Spock, you want to know something? Everybody's human. I
0: find that remark
1: insulting but, oh like, yeah i love that but the i love I, that line yeah you know the idea is there that like i mean that's i think that's a great line because it really encompasses the what i like about star trek and in, in that um when you say we're all human I you know it sounds like uh
0: of be on Yeah, but it's like but it's, like, it's I not, was thinking it was in this it was like we're all American, really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean but also in a way where it's like, you know, you see these Klingons and think of them as as other, you know, or sure. he sees them but then like when you think that, you know what, there's there's me in this other being too. Like you're able to empathize in that way. So like by rather than seeing him as Klingon and seeing them as humans in a way, like they're it's I don't know, we're, we're able to to come together you know yeah, <laughs>
0: well in the dinner scene uh it was the chancellor's daughter who was like the federation is nothing but a humans club right because uh, they say the, the Chekhov says
3: we do believe all planets have a sovereign
0: claim to inalienable human rights
3: Inalien, if you could only hear yourselves human rights why the
0: very name is racist <laughs> I can see why they might take umbrage to that. Yeah. Universal Translator not just change that instead
2: of <laughs> in the right program there.
0: <laughs> uh, but, like, at that dinner scene, especially, like, before maybe the Shakespeare became overwhelming, uh, I like that little trade-off, that, like, little discussion, mm-hmm. and how, like, diplomacy can go awry so easily. Yeah. Like, I have to treat it with a feather touch, and
1: and how it's a slow-moving uh, yeah.
0: mechanism, you know? Like, that. nothing got solved at that dinner. No. <laughs> like. Well, I mean, I think it, uh, Kirk even said, he's like, is there anything else we can screw up tonight? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he even wanted the dinner to happen, right? No. It
2: was a courtesy invite, and you can see him kind of wince when they accept it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you can see them kind of wincing as they accept it. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> No. We would love to come over. We'd love to come over and eat some blue squid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, was that like their attempt at making gah? Isn't that gah? Yeah, maybe. And this was pre-Replicators, because they have a kitchen on the on the uh, Ooh, yeah. Enterprise. That that mashed potatoes bowl gets vaporized. And the alarms <laughs> oh, <yeah>. go off. <laughs> With the mashed potatoes left yeah. there. Just the bowl.
0: <laughs> In that facer <theater> scene, <laughs> I at first I thought the mashed potatoes were one of the magnetic boots. <laughs> like, she shot it and it revealed the magnetic boots. <laughs> they would
2: probably stick to the, the floor yeah. in the zero-g <laughs> situation.
0: But I was like, man, that is some good... S- oh, no, that's just food. <laughs> Even though I've seen this before, it, I'd forgotten that she was, like, a betrayer, mm-hmm. like, at least yeah. in that... Uh, that part of the story. And... But then like once it was revealed It's like oh they very like clearly Sort of foreshadowed to this Yeah there's that scene
1: after Everyone leaves the transporter room After the Klingons leave And there's those two guys being like Ugh Klingons They all look alike What about that smell? You know only top of the line models can even talk But that turns out to be the two that go onto the Klingon ship To kill them because they're walking over And she's like You men have work? Yes Just ma'am smell.
3: Then snap to it
1: and you think it's, like, her admonishing them for being jerks to the Klingons, but really she's like, get over there and kill them. Yeah. Oh, is, I
0: didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, it... it I mean, it, it's subtle when you see it at the beginning, like, her talking with Spock, that scene, and then even her, how she's, like, sort of leading the investigation. Yeah. Like, she's guiding how people are perceiving it, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, early but,
2: on, she's she's definitely a fan of Kirk, too, you can tell, so... Yeah, and specifically his animosity towards Klingon. Yeah, yeah.
0: and so then once once it's revealed and you look back on you, like, oh no, like she was like, it's almost obvious, like looking back on it that yeah, like, this is what she wanted. But yeah, seeing it the first time, it it's subtle, like you don't catch it. It's not until the the secrets out there that it's like, oh no, that was all very much there. Yeah, that's pretty good movie making. That is directly, yeah. like actually, I I thought thought that was solid storytelling. Like it has that good sort of like. That middle portion of the story has a good, solid, uh, like whodunit feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always a lot of fun. A lot of misdirects
1: in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that I really like the final battle scene. Okay. Between yeah. uh, the bird of prey that can shoot while cloaked. Yeah. And um, the Enterprise and the uh, Excelsior. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty good special
0: effects slash Star Trek battle scene. They, they also do a good job of explaining how they're going to defeat it. They're like, oh, well, if we just do this to the missile and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. the world's like,
3: well, the thing's got to have a tailpipe.
0: Right. You get that classic analogy to, for us to be able to understand. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, that's another, like, it's very Star Trek to use all these science terms to, like, talk about what you're going to do and then dumb it down to.
2: Yeah. But it doesn't seem like cheating either. We see them, like, down there messing with
1: the, the missile, getting the, the torpedo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just cool that uh, we get to see, like, like this and this is something I thought about before. Because a lot of times when um, you see ships engage each other uh, in battle, it's often like they're, you know, oriented towards each other. But it's like when you're in space, you can fucking move your ship any way you want. And so we get, like, a shot where they're shooting, the bird of prey shoots, like, straight up from Which below. Yeah, that's, no, that's good stuff. Like, that's yeah. cool.
3: That's
2: good stuff. That's a lot of fun. The only part I didn't like of this final battle is this is like the most heavy, heavily concentrated Shakespeare part. <laughs>
3: <That's> <laughs> Shane's true.
2: literally spinning around in his chair <laughs> quoting Shakespeare. <laughs> Cry havoc
0: and let slip the dogs of war. Well, I mean, how how you're, the title of the movie is taken from Hamlet.
1: Yeah, so, it'd be false advertising if I they didn't have.
0: They lots say, and lots of yeah.
1: Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine somebody going in and being all pissed off that there wasn't enough Shakespeare. <laughs> it was in the title. <laughs> I do love that they say
2: out loud the title of the movie a couple times, too. One of my friends and I do drinking games. One of our universal rules for a movie drinking game is drink anytime they say the actual full title of the movie. Yeah. Early on, somebody says undiscovered country. Kind of apropos of nothing
0: the undiscovered country and there, there
2: is a moment where everyone's kind of like what why do you say that <laughs> why do you say the title of the movie <laughs>
1: they may as well be looking at the camera while they're yeah. saying it
2: <laughs> do you like the the slow clap at the end
1: <laughs> i had that too <laughs> you
3: restored my father's faith
1: and you've restored my son's
2: One of the Klingons is like, what, what, Yeah, happening? Why am I doing this?
1: <laughs> I think they did that with a couple and There's like one that's clapping with his arms straight out like this. <laughs> it just, I like the idea that that's not what they would do, but they're just like, oh, everyone else is flapping their appendages together. <laughs> we'll do it for diplomacy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so there couldn't be too many years between where this ends and TNG starts.
1: Yeah. I, w- I want to say it's about a hundred years. That's, that seems right. Yeah, it looks it's a different...
0: It's
2: the 24th century. The, because... Backwards,
1: 23rd century. <laughs> we've been looking. The the massacre at Kittimer happened 50 years after the situation at the end of Undiscovered Country. And that was 50 years. So Worf would have been a child then. And so when he's... So, like, yeah. About 100 years. Okay. That sounds about right. 75 to
0: 100 years. I like that we could easily look this up. <laughs> We're figuring it out, David. <laughs> so, of the original series movies, how would you... I mean, loosely rank them? That was a good question. I might make this one my favorite just because I saw it in the
1: theater. Okay. And it, it came to me at a time when I was really getting excited about Star Trek. Okay. Um, and I was also getting into Next Generation at this time, and it was just like a good time for me for Trek. So probably this one. And then when I went back and watched the movies, probably Rathacon, Uh, and then we'll throw uh 4- in there, watch home so six two four six two four three one five
0: okay i hate my I really hate pretty people. similar yeah
2: i went four two six three one five. Four is your favorite i think so that's like you I, I have some nostalgia involved in this and that's the one i watched as a kid and that i've watched over and over and over again okay uh
0: i, I like four a lot too because i feel like the jokes are really natural hello computer they're not pushed in there, or they're not. It's not comic relief necessarily. Yeah. Like they form from sort of the story itself. And that one's directed
2: by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, I believe, he, so. he directed mm-hmm.
0: three and four.
2: He knows these characters.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one maybe as my number one, but I think it's just because it's the most recent one that I've watched. Like if I if after this I watch Wrath of Khan, I might make that number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably do. Yeah, this Wrath of Cons is six two four. But you know, I think it's just whichever one I watched last I'm gonna like the most. How's your bottom half looking? <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm talking about the movies.
0: <laughs> three and then yeah, it's gotta be one five. We all have the thing. Um three. the bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> We're all the same with the bottom half. <laughs> We're all humans. <laughs> Yeah, th- this was probably also the last one of the original series that I saw just in general. Because I-, I saw 2, 3, and 4 growing up. Like, a- as a kid I saw it. Uh, and then when I went and rewatched them all several years ago, I watched them in order. So this was the last of them that I watched. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's-, it's just a good note to go out on if you're watching these movies. It's a good final chapter. Yeah. It reaffirms, like, what you like about star trek and about these characters
3: yeah
0: do we have any final thoughts on the movie or you know star trek I
2: hope it lives on. I nope. hope Star Trek Discovery can do something like the next generation did and uh, take the baton and move it forward, even though they're going
0: backwards to move forward. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So this was my pick. I guess uh Oh yeah. What's our preview of coming attractions? Mm-hmm. I've been
1: uh I've been threatening you with this for a while now. And uh this is a pick I've I've wanted to throw on here, not because it's good, but because <laughs> I I want to hurt you, Matt. (laughs) Uh, I've decided that we're going to watch the three-part BBC2 miniseries, Tipping the Velvet.
0: What? I've never even heard of this movie.
1: Yeah, it's a... uh, Miniseries? It's a miniseries. That was never part of our deal. (laughs) It's a made-for-TV movie, when you put it all together. Uh, But it's all about... um,
2: So is the the Decalogue. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I mean, believe me, this is me at my most masochistic. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I have to watch this too. So, it's a, it's a three hour lesbian, erotic, Victorian.
0: None of those romp. words are things that I want to see. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, you're going to have a lot to talk about, I promise you. <laughs> well, I guess before we plug our junk, perhaps our guest will I like was going to gonna say,
0: uh, let's thank Trevor Voss for being yeah. here and helping us Thanks, carry guys. the weight of the Star Trek. Uh, banter today
2: yeah. I've been listening to your show since the beginning it's a pleasure to be here you... you're that guy <laughs> <laughs> did you watch American Astronaut yet? I have not yet Okay, but I was excited to learn of a new sci-fi movie that I've never heard of before oh, excellent, well, that's good news yeah. uh, again my podcast is called Starboys, it's me and my friend Bryce you can find us on soundcloud.com starboyspodcast on Facebook.com our podcast, Twitter,
1: etc.
0: Starboys Podcast. So, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll plug our junk. Oh, yeah,
1: let's do our junk.
0: Follow us on Twitter at X-rated movies.
1: We have an email account, it's x.ratedmovies at gmail.com.
0: Uh, we have an Instagram account,
1: xratedmovies. We also love when you leave reviews and um, give us some stars on the Apple iTunes uh, store. <laughs>
0: yeah if you could rate review and then in that order and then also subscribe on iTunes
1: you can use your computer
0: to do that <laughs> uh if you could like our Facebook page and see our posts it's at rated x movies
1: if you hated the sound quality of this podcast <laughs> consider going to Patreon and throwing us throwing us some money uh otherwise we'll see you next week
0: here for feeling the velvet <laughs>
1: tipping the velvet
0: <laughs> sorry matt
1: <laughs> until then um i guess uh we'll be heading out second star I'll to the it. right straight <laughs> until morning <laughs>